Hey everybody, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. First of all, I want to give a shout out to our main sponsors, Rising Suns, the award-winning brewery in Cork. If you're around Cork, do call in for a point of their many varieties of excellent beer. So this is a real special podcast tonight. Credit goes to Howard for driving in it. I have 10-point rule in the house. They were a hardcore band back in the early 90s. Certainly influenced a shitload of people as well. Right through the years, you'll be glad to know, lads, whether or not you're aware of this or not. But we'll flesh that out later. So I welcome Vince, who is the original vocalist, Dave, the drummer, Sean on guitars and Kev on bass. So that's all the original members. So thanks for making the effort to come on the show and talk about this mythical band nearly at this stage. (laughs) So I'll pass you over to Howard, first of all. What was your thought process on getting the lads on, Howard? Did you hear rumours that they could be coming back? Or I saw the Instagram post about the, the new release with the remastered um, okay. tracks and uh, the two additional tracks. And uh, I've talked about this band on the, the podcast many times as being yeah. a fucking huge influence on myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bands I'm still in at the moment. Um, if you look back at those videos from the Phoenix, you can pick out every member of the Magnapina in it. You know, fucking, we were all there just absorbing <laughs> fucking live music. And in those days, it was just a little bit different. And the lads were something special at that time. And I, mm. I don't think they realized the amount of influence they've had. And I know from the likes of Worn Out and Baylor, you can see exactly where the evolution began and came came to fruition, I guess. But uh, I'm excited to talk to the lads because listening back to the tracks again, it's just like being a fucking 15-year-old, 16-year-old in the Phoenix again, you know? <laughs> Just bopping away, fucking great, great listen. I'm delighted to have you here, lads. So it's great to see you all. And you're all looking well. <laughs> yeah, they all look fine and healthy anyway, which is fucking great, you know? <laughs> oh, God. Nice. So, like, I suppose there's no better place to start than back in, was it Passage? Do you all met up or where was the main meeting place and how did you form? Ten point rule. I was you want me to speak for? I'm happy to go first, Vince. Uh, well, we, myself, Kevin, and Dave actually played in another band for a while. Okay. Just, I don't know, when we were like 16, it was a short lived sort of band. And we must have met Vince through playing gigs together. Oh, my memory isn't great. It was, uh, do, you know I I remember... you, do you know where I met you guys first? Uh, in the back of Jack Plugs. Do you remember all the underage fellas you've stuck in it? You've run in the drawer around the side. And then down the back, you were kind of overviewed the bar, and it was the you were all in there, and uh, I was selling tickets for a concert down in Connolly's Alep. It was oh, uh, ra- rail, rail were playing, yeah, and uh, and uh, it was John John Noon and another passage by, um, and I was talking to you guys, and uh, I don't know what was it that someone came up this the Lost and Found hardcore compilation that he had it. I never oh, heard of anyone yeah. listening to hardcore ever before. And then you were a band. And yeah, I think then eventually, I think actually Robin's three years <laughs> from a certain battery. Um, and it turned it morphed into 10 point rule, didn't it? So yeah, just that's a long time back now though. Yeah, Connolly's yeah, Connolly's was amazing. Like yeah. the the kind of the day long gigs down there. Yeah. Um, so good. Do you remember yeah, that bus. first gig? It was gas. I remember it was the, the, the bus came back and the bus parked and it, it went into this wee little shop in the middle of nowhere. And I think there was nobody even in there. 
And uh, I'd say the place was, was not by us, no, we were grand, but there was other fellas on the bus, robbed the place, flipping blind, <laughs> got back on the bus. And then I just, this, this little old lady then was kind of too confused. And I still remember John Noonan was in there, giving out to everyone, going, you can't be doing that, lads, you can't be doing that. And then the bus stopped again about five minutes up the road because somebody had to go for a wee. So then everyone else had to go for a wee. And I still remember it. This was, you know, the metal days with the, the hair and whatever. And so five or six fellas lined up against the bush and somebody started laughing. And then what was that? And they looked over the bush and there was a family having a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry, sorry. I, nothing to do with the music. <laughs> what was the scene like back then? Was it really difficult to get even places to rehearse in for a band? back then I, maybe kev you might take this or we uh well i suppose 10 point rule we were rehearsing it in passage for a good while in play school so we'd all have our feet up in these like minuscule little plastic chairs and then uh, and remember we had um remember we had someone to rehearse out in blackpool as well for a while it's all gone remember those band rooms that burnt down i think that burnt down yeah, yeah it burnt down yeah that was amazing that, that, that was that was a good yeah. spot um, yeah. Well, most of the time in the play school, wasn't it? I remember yeah. most. Of the, yeah, it was pretty much school, all the time uh, in the play school. Yeah, uh, which is which is grand. But it was, uh, but like in terms of in terms of, like, I don't think we realised kind of quite how special the Phoenix was back in the day. Like you know, and it was just this real come one, come all. Doesn't matter how old you are, Joe. Everybody, Joe. Was was in their own kind of music, but everyone just kind of came together, and there was just loads of energy and really accepting. And yeah. Joe, and, and like Joe, anybody who kind of wanted a gig could kind of come along and tag along, and it was yeah, it was amazing. No security really, or no anything. Except for your man Martin, your man along the door, talking guy, me through a fella down the stairs. I remember it. And then oh, there was, yeah. yeah, and then there was a fella tried to stop him, and the fellow who tried to stop him got a worse beating than the fellow who got thrown down the stairs. He was a nice fella. He was a he was a legit bloke. He was nice. The yeah. fella that he got that got into trouble was stealing stuff off other kids. So yeah, uh, it was my sister's wallet, my sister's friend's wallet. That's got right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jesus, let's go back. The Phoenix was the main area for you, but like was the Kruchkin lawn and Nancy Spain nice. still running gigs as well at that yeah, time. I think I think when we came in, um Nancy's was a force a few years beforehand. Um okay. we just missed it. And then um there's literally, you know. Fred's was only just after opening, sort of. It didn't really, they did gigs, but it wouldn't, it would have been a step above where we were at, you know, as, as the lads were on. You were 15, 16, I was mm. 17, 18. Um, so the Phoenix then, which I remember we just went in, because Daniel's cousin, Francis, and myself went in one day. Uh, Francis was the first drummer in 10 Point Rule, I think. But we yeah. weren't really 10 Point Rule, it was just the same name. And uh, we went up thinking, yeah, we, we'll organize a gig. And we walked in and then they said, yes. We were like, oh, feck. <laughs> no, we to sort this out. And we, we knew they had a PA, uh, but no one knew. There was no sound engineer. There was no mixing desk. We used that PA once a couple of years later. Do you remember? And I got electrocuted when I touched the microphone. <laughs> um, and we never used it again, ever. <laughs> and I remember actually, Dan, Daniel, Daniel probably heard this one now. We robbed a speaker off 
Oh, old Frankie Howard. Frankie Howard. Daniel's granddad. My, my grandfather. It was actually Shammy Burns, the speaker. He used to use it yeah, for a keyboard. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, they did him when he, we get to spin the speaker up and we get up to the Phoenix. But sure, we'd have a fucking, we'd have a penny. So we had to wheel it back in a fucking shopping cart down, <laughs> down, the, <laughs> down the line. And Francis, right. Francis, Francis went on strike halfway down the line. He was like, he, could, uh, he wasn't doing it anymore. He just sat down. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, sorry. And what about your kid, Dave? How did you get into the drumming? This the amazing thing about the scene back then. It was it was so DIY. I never won. I didn't even. I never bought a drumstick. Yeah. The whole time I was in Temple <laughs> and we we played gigs in like the Phoenix Nancy's. We recorded. We went two different sessions. I didn't even own a pair of drumsticks at that point, and that was the scene. But that was yeah. the way it was. Somebody had an amp. Somebody had a guitar. Like I never, I don't think I ever bought anything for the drums, you know. So how like, did you practice? Like, was it just from it did, rent off it, the lads? Like, it went, I remember our first, the first time I played with the lads was in Connolly's, and it was uh, we were we were called the Salt and Battery, and we were a three piece. It was me, Kevin, Sean, mm. and uh, I can remember before the gig, Sean gave me a tape of the songs. It was all covered, and I was just tapping along on my on a on the table. And that's when, and then I went to the gig and I was, I was just able to do it. And that's when I realized oh, I can do this now. This is great. You know, so that's how we, that's like, that's how we practiced. I was banging the table at home from a table that Sean gave me. I think we got, uh, we got the drums that then that we used from, it was from Niall Cowell, Sean, wasn't it? Oh, that's right. Yeah. They, were, they were up in Niall Cowell's backyard. He bought them and decided uh, Niall would have been a, a, a my age, um, and he got his first job and his first couple of paychecks. He bought a drum kit, but then got really frustrated that he wasn't really good straight away and just basically let them out. The <laughs> and uh, and yeah, we we mastered it, yeah, we we we, we borrowed them, and yeah, it was uh, fair play to me. Let everybody use the drum yeah, kit. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd say it was an absolute shit, was it? I remember <laughs> really everybody it using it like. Okay. I remember thinking it was a really good kit, yeah. yeah. But again, the thing yeah. is as well, like nobody was rocking up to Phoenix gigs with Zidigen symbols or anything like that, you know. It was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was rough enough. Like. It's really hard to put it across to, to the modern way of thinking, but you'd, you'd have a gig in the Phoenix and there'd be one band would book the gig. Let's say 10 by rule book the gig. And you wouldn't know who was supporting until the day you got there, you know. So there could be four <laughs> or five bands floating around. And they'd be like, do you want to play a gig? You know, get us. Can you get us an amp and you can play a gig? You know. Yeah. 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 No, and everyone, every, every look around at everyone else's amps and say, "Like, okay, we'll, we'll use your bass amp." And you know, yeah. what's, you know when you're gonna put cobbled together then. whatever the best combination was. Yeah. Who were the best bands around at that time, lads? That you were looking up to, maybe in Ireland or bring it down to even Cork. What were there any um, bands there that were just like? I yeah, I I I think for us in in our group there was a band coming out of Dublin called Residence and they were oh, yeah. unbelievable. Um two thousand strong they were another kind of part of them. And they were lovely fellas as well. They were they were absolute lovely, lovely fellas. Um I think they, they would have been a big one. Um there was um headboard. Remember headboard? They were a bit older than us. They did, I don't remember playing that much, but I remember seeing them a few times. I, I love them. And I remember thinking, like, yeah, they look grown up. They look like a real band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they had they had proper amplifiers with like 
that wasn't a combi speaker. They had like a head yeah. and, a, and, and, a, and a speaker. Yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. It, was, it was rail for me. I, I, I used to love rail. Um, just mm. like John Noonan with his eyes closed, you know, and uh, yeah. you know, I remember like, yeah, they were uh, some amazing riffs, you know, and that's the thing. Maybe we'll talk about it later, but um, why why we went and did we did the remaster? But like, I love I can't remember any of the rail songs, and you can't get your hands in them. No, no uh, you mean what you give me? What you give me? How I make it? How I make it? That was wonderful. And they were all and they were all really decent and supportive as well. Yeah. Like you know, because like we were so young, like you know, all still in school, Joe, and like yeah. kind of. So they really gonna bring you along and support yeah, you? Yeah. Like, and they used to that. like. Oh, I was thinking about the day, like we used to, they used to um, we give us a cut of the money for those mm. gigs. Yeah. I remember going like, and I was working in the petrol station and getting like two pound fifty an hour or something on the weekends, and I was nearly getting as much going in and playing. You know what I mean? That gig or something. You know, you get yeah. like ten pound or something yeah. just to go and play in the Phoenix. It was, it was unbelievable. Quotes with the and flagging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we played a gig with them and like that they were really supportive like we used all our gear and they, you know didn't care but I remember Dave would like buy a bottle of cider for us to share and everything because we were like 16 or something you know, they were like they look after look after the young yeah, fellas yeah. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ different times man and there was a band called Kerosene I remember from back then as well um, oh, yeah. my, my all time favourite band ever oh they were fucking yeah. so vicious like, great great band uh, was it, I forget the singer's name um, Sully 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 he's still wearing his mother's shirt on stage and things <laughs> <laughs> How far away were Five Will Die at that stage from being a band, Howard? Oh, we were a while off. So Five Will Die would have come around uh, late 2005, I guess. I would have been oh, in right, Sludge. Jesus. I was okay. in Sludge for a period of time back then, which would have been towards the tail end of the 10-point rule era, I guess. Okay. Um, but I was so young. Um, I was 13, 14 going to see these guys, you know? Oh, so really? I was, only, I was only just starting to dip my toe into bands. When you were when the lads used to practice in the play school, I'd be outside outside fucking a ball at the wall with pieces, you know. <laughs> we'd be trying just listening in and trying trying to trying to get the courage to ask, can we come in and watch the jam, you know? And then from that then, you know, Frank, it was forcing me under, I think, at the time. Yeah, oh, that we was practicing the, in the, yeah, yeah, that practicing was, in the yeah, play yeah. school. And it was my first time playing on a drum kit or playing in a big jam kind of thing, you know. So that's how I started jamming, was just picking up the scraps from the lads jamming, you know. Because actually uh, Dave did a video, he did a home video there at the weekend from old footage um, for one of the songs for the remaster. Uh, it's actually very funny because I, I leave Dave talk about it, but uh, it, it comes to the door, Modern Phoenix, then it opens up and it's back in the in the 90s. And Daniel, you're in it about three or four times. You know, I've spotted yeah, you. I've fucking... yeah. <laughs> how'd you get, how'd you get your hands on that, Dave, that footage? Um, somebody had it up on um there's 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 uh there's three parts to it and it's some I think it was um somebody from Headboard. Um it was Johnny Lawler, was it? Johnny Lawler, maybe yeah, Johnny he, Lawler, yeah. Yeah, somebody had a video video a few a few gigs and a couple of gigs in Nancy. So it's in three parts and kerosene are there as well, Dan. And uh uh we were just in the middle of it and it was like you wouldn't find it by typing in the band's names. It's called Cork Obscene. Oh, okay, I've, I've come across it on your and website. I came across it then, like whatever. So I just chopped it up for the, the single thing that we or for yeah the, the, the remaster, you know. But that's uh, very it's a uh, it's good crack, like. Because sometimes, okay. like, some in some bits, I was looking at it like, and in some bits, it might be like 
30 people in the crowd like there's still people like flying <laughs> off the railings being caught by like eight guys you know <laughs> and then going up onto the floor you know um but like when but then like there was other gigs like not in those clips like where it was jammed oh, yeah. you know and like you'd be kind of heading back towards the bar and yeah, yeah. it was good fun how many people were they let in phoenix or was that even was the word capacity even yeah no. <laughs> talked about like <laughs> I, I, as many can fit really you know if you look at the video there's zero there's nobody behind the bar and there's no like, you know they just left a load of 16 year olds in on a friday night <laughs> yeah. I there, was, there was an upstairs as well so there was there was more people yeah. upstairs looking down like, show, you know yeah, yeah. yeah. the balcony then you'd have you'd have the, the really young people up there hiding you know but, yeah. um, i remember um I think it was Force Me Under, Vince, or as it was a post uh, 10 point rule gig. But uh, Johnny Bailey threw a lot of firecrackers down on top of the netting and uh, Fucking you know, there was they stopped people throwing glasses at the band and he fucked a lot of firecrackers into it. I'm sure the whole thing went up in flames there. <laughs> That's a very mild Johnny Bailey story. Yeah. <laughs> I, was thinking, I was thinking of a few Johnny Bailey stories and that was the one that I could fucking say, you know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I remember that these gigs though there was um there was one Halloween party we did um uh, I think we did it as a fundraiser for the the uh, the dogs home or something yeah and um, with the, I, I think it was two quid in and we raised about between six and seven hundred euros so and I remember that night there was people outside hanging out that would kind of stagger coming in because it was too full so yeah it was it was yeah. Health and safety wouldn't wouldn't have liked it too much these days, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna play a song off the EP. I'll play the title track, say my name, just to give people a flavour of what you were about. Oh, my God. 
I can only imagine what that would have been like live. Still sounds great. I haven't done that. Yeah, it sounds class. I'm just wondering, who was it that like, when you're getting them remastered, was that in 99 that came out? Yeah. Yeah. I've like, I'm shit at holding on to things. Like who held on to, who had that in good enough condition that it could be remastered <laughs> how many years later? Because like, that's, I mean, that's the the, the thing about it is there were, it's so well documented. Like there was a vi- the video of the of the phoenix that somebody we can we found yeah, that three years yeah. ago. Like that was a real portal back in time. Couldn't believe it existed, and you could we could see ourselves back then because it was kind of like oh we were in a band. We totally dismiss. I was dismissive of it like yeah, it's grand mm. until you saw it again and was like fucking hell, I remember it now. And um, and then like the CD was in an attic in in my mom's house and. Uh, it was in perfect condition and there's like loads of photos knocking around. Like it was actually really well documented. So to go away and remaster it again was, um, it was pretty easy really. And yeah, who remastered it? Uh, Richie and, uh, at WAV. Oh uh, yeah. 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 Kind of goes to Richie, you know, but, um, yeah, he was, he was saying that I, cause I, I just presumed right. That it wasn't mastered at all. I thought it was just a demo. Yeah. It was just, we just got a mix and that was it. But, um, he was. He, I gave him. I gave him the the, the webs, and he was going. No, this is actually master. There's not much I can I can do with it. So like he was. All he was able to do is, and you can. I can tell the difference because I know it so well. But he just brightened it up, and the guitars are, are kind of beefier, and the bass is more prominent, and the yeah yeah you know, more the cymbals are more they're more clear, like they're more clean, like. But yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Um, it was just the whole thing was very well documented, you know. So it was. It was easy and and I have to say, fair play to Hacker for kind of you know being the energy behind kind of getting all this up and running. You know, it was great. Yeah, I was wondering how did it did it actually start? Because when I saw the the Instagram page go up, because I remember hearing about Ten Point Rule in Kilkenny. I remember. I think like Twenty Bulls each were a bit after. I think they were like two thousand two, two thousand three. But I remember like. First time going to see uh, 20 Bulls each, just being like, what the fuck is hardcore? And then people like trying to walk me down of like the hierarchy of what is common. 10 Point Rule were always a band that uh, that kept being brought up. And when I saw the, the Instagram page come up, I straight away was, number one was like right 
message you straight away being like, what's the actual story? Is, is this for the crack? Are you going to do a gig? And when can I put it on? <laughs> <laughs> How did that whole thing have actually start? Was it just was a gradual thing? Was this over years? Did it all of a sudden happen and it's fucking snowballed or what? No, I, like, I, I suppose I should take this one because I did kind of go about it. But like, I suppose what happened was during COVID, yeah, I got a Facebook account for the first time in my life. And, I done it. and then Vince, was like, oh, Vince, how's it going? Blah, blah, whatever. And just started kind of reconnecting with people. And then I remember, so we did, we recorded Say My Name in, Say My Name in April of 1999. And I, I do know we recorded another two tunes, but I, I had no memory of actually recording it. I had no memory of that time. I don't know if it was the same for you lads. If any of you remember us doing those other two tunes, yeah, no, I don't. You, you, you're leaving search, you see. Those probably taking all your uh, your photos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but um, and I said it to Vince. And Vince was like, "Oh, I have them somewhere, I think." And he found it on an old hard drive. And, yeah. uh they actually, I was really surprised that the sound, like they yeah. sounded, they sounded like we should have sounded. Or yeah, like, I, I, I like the two newer songs a hundred times more than the songs from the first demo. I think it's because you know, obviously, listening to my own voice. It's just from the demo, I go, oh god, oh god, that's very high pitched. But then with the with the newer songs, yeah, it's a bit beefier, it's a bit, bit harder, you know. So we, were, I think, we were all really surprised at the sound of those two songs that, that like yeah. that we had recorded that we'd forgotten about. And yeah. I think the same when we recorded them, it was our leaving. So Kev, you were going off to Trinity to do medicine, you know, like we were in different. We, like the band was done in our in our eyes, I think. So when those songs were recorded, you just like ah, fuck, it doesn't matter, who cares, you know? But they they sounded so good. And then I think what actually happened was I um I have a radio show on UCC ninety eight point three, and I wanted to kind of get a show together, of all old kind of bands from from back in the day that I was knocking around. Yeah. I realized that like, it's impossible because if they're not digitized or if they're not on streaming services, it's it's impossible to find yeah. them. So then mm-hmm. I thought, well, look for posterity. Look, we all have kids. Blah blah. Wouldn't it be great to just get them on streaming services? And then we thought, well, if you do that, we might as well get them remastered, so they'd sound a bit better. And then. I was like, well, if we're going to do that, we might as well like, could try and advertise it a little bit. So I got an Instagram page going. And it just kind of went that way. And then I was like, well, then I might as well make a video for it. <laughs> then was like, and, then, and then we got a sale. And I was like, oh, this feels fucking weird. I don't want to take money for this. <laughs> <laughs> Penny Dinners, you know? So um, like, I volunteered at Penny Dinners there uh, recently one morning. And it's just fucking relentless down there. And uh, so I thought, well, look, if we make anything, let's just give it to them, you know? Yeah, fair play. So that was, really, that's the story behind it. Fair play. So literally, uh, ten point rule existed started. up to the leave insert. Leave insert was done, and then the band more or less split up. Would that be yeah, right? I, or I, th- I think I think what happened was uh, we did after the leave insert, we did one or two gigs without Kev, and it was Johnny Perm from from Monkstone out the south. Oh yeah, John Perm. Yeah, and it was yeah he because he, he filled in. Um, I just I wasn't the same really to be honest. Because uh, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I, it, worked, it worked out right for you. There's no problems, you know. But um, oh, so I think it's just yeah, no, just it just things things happen, you know. I think uh, if if it like you know, this was never going to be. It was just a it's a kind of a, yeah. a teenage passion thing, you know. And uh, I think it actually like ran out. A perfect length of time yeah you know what i mean we did the cd we had a couple of really good gigs and it sort of finished you know what i mean it was kind of like a perfect time with the phoenix then we had some really good gigs in nancy's 
and then you know we didn't drag on too long it didn't go on it was really we were talking about today it was only like 18 months or something the whole yeah. even though it feels like a lot longer looking back at it yeah. but it was like a perfect length of time almost do you feel like it had that when you're saying perfect length of time that it, it didn't even have the chance to get stained by something yeah. they're like you know it didn't go sour it didn't or, we didn't go play gigs when nobody was there or start playing yeah, the songs yeah. and yeah, we yeah. didn't like them or we got bored of playing the same songs it was sort yeah. of all good and it, yeah, I, I think as well as the fact that we're here talking. Okay, it's it's actually gas. But we have to say it as well. I don't think we were saying it earlier on on a we have a WhatsApp group now. The four of us haven't been in any kind of a virtual room or virtual room, room in twenty something years. You yeah. know, it's, it's gas. We've seen each other amazing separate, yeah. but not 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 all together. You know, yeah. so yeah. it's uh, it's been that's nice that you know it was what it was. It was a teenage. It's just just teenage passion projects, you know. And I think mm. Dave went on to become a, a proper professional musician for a long time, and still he's coming back to this teenage yeah thing, you know. So it was special for what it was, you know. Yeah, Definitely, really- I mean to, the quality though. I it's just I don't think he realized it at the time. Certainly Howard did. Just listening to those songs on that EP, their social commentary, the musicianship. It's fucking excellent. There's there's absolutely no fat in the songs. It's just fucking really in your face. I mean, we'll just maybe talk about your influences. I hear Biohazard. I hear Rage Against the Machine. I hear Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys what else? Yeah. There's just like so many things running through the arteries of Ten Point Rule there that all became relative as the years went on, you know? Yeah, I, I think... think- Go on, Vince. Sorry, I'd say it was... Uh, I think they're all... Yeah, I think the, the Beastie Boys and Rage... For me, yeah, definitely. Um, but I think a lot of it was was that tape, wasn't it? The, what was it? This is European hardcore, yeah. lost and found. You know? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! Uh, That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah compilation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is this? Go on. <laughs> yeah, Sean, it was, it was like, a compilation that you found somewhere, Sean, wasn't it? Or was it? I, I got it like we were in Holland or something. Visiting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, visiting some fam- with family in Holland. Picked it up when I was, I don't know, 14 or 15 in some little, you know, record shop. And it was just, it had like, I don't know, about 50 songs on it. Some of them were like 30 seconds, you know, some a minute or whatever. And all different sort of types of hardcore music, yeah. all hardcore, but you know, different sort of types. Yeah. And we were just going through it and picking some of the songs. It's probably, our, so our songs were like bits and pieces of all the songs on that CD. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was Crivet, Rotted and Posse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it's mad a, but Howard, yeah, I think, I think with the influences, yeah I think with the influences as well like we were all completely very different like Kev Kev you would have been into house music you yeah, know yeah yeah and, and like Joe like like Joe loved playing the gigs and everything you know but like Joe I wasn't listening to too much metal or hardcore during the week it was kind of drum and bass really was what <laughs> I was into, you know but uh, but I think I think we still Joe we were all into our, our separate things but like when we all came together we all kind of yeah, kind of got into it. Wow. Howard, talk to me about what you were hearing as a fan and, you know, for, for that short period of time that 10 Point Rule existed, like they were probably, in your opinion, one of the best around at the time? Oh, live, without doubt. Yeah. Um, for me, it was like just like that. When the lads were practicing in the, the play school, they were listening in and kind of absorbing a few things. But um, I remember watching uh, Metallica at Moscow in 1991 in Vince's Gaff. 
on uh, on video. Oh, I remember just, the VHS. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And it yeah. blew my fucking mind at the time, you know. So it was a case of I used, I used to be walking around wearing Joe Bloggs raver jeans and a Metallica T-shirt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the first influences to me were we're just talking to Vince and being in his house with his brothers. I was, you know, good friends with his brothers and Vince. And um, he used to be listening to things like Prong and Machine oh, Head class. or something. Yeah. And, you know, I used to be fucking everything he was listening to. I'd go get and try to listen to it as well kind of thing. OK. And uh, I'd been to a therapy gig in 1997 <laughs> in, uh, in, um, in the old Henry's. And that was my first proper big gig, you know. But yes. uh, I saw Temper Rule maybe two years yes. later. And I just remember thinking, this is a different energy altogether. It was mm. just one of those things. It was, there was no phone cameras or any of that shit. It was just everybody was just waiting for the band to get going. And from the first beat to the last beat, it was just manic. It was just insane. But a big part of that was Vince's energy on stage, just that fucking uh, court master or circus master, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> mm. He just knew how to play the crowd and how to get the kids involved in it and get excited about it. And he had just the right amount to pinch of social commentary at the time. And the lads were backing him up. It was just energy, energy, energy. And at that yeah. level, in that small little micro space of the Phoenix, I mean, you'll never find a more perfect match, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Stay- I, think, I, think, I think if you give 70, 80 kids a bit of space, they're going to have a bit of fun, you know? It's, it's, <laughs> and I think that we were, look, we were lucky that we had it, you know, we had that place. I give yourself credit as well, Vince, though, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, writing riffs for 10-point rule. Imagine any influences or are you using that compilation religiously oh. to inspire you or what? I, I I, I don't remember any of the process, to be honest, of anything. Uh, I think, I don't know, just remember just playing them, but I don't really yeah, remember sitting down and, and what, what the process was, but just, just came up with them somehow. Do you still play guitar, Sean? Not really, no. Every couple of months, I'll pick up an acoustic guitar. That's that's about it. Wow. Mm. And how did you get your first guitar? I bought, I remember buying that red guitar I had. The red and white one. Second hand off someone in Glenmire. I <laughs> don't know when, how many years ago that was. But yeah, guitar and an amp. Getting it one year when I was, I don't know, 13 or 14 years. I remember there was like a big group of us and there was like kind of one Christmas and everybody got yeah. a guitar <laughs> 21 hand, you know, there's about like 13 guitarists with Metallica tabs, you know. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm going to play another song off the EP. I think this is one of them, Vince, that you were on about. Is it Bottled? Is that one of the no, ones? Uh, yeah, that's one of the new ones. Could you play the other one though? Tap My Weakness. I think that's the, the strongest one. <laughs> Was that not the first one I played? Oh, no, no I say my name. Good. Okay, tap my yeah. weakness. I, yeah, I think cool. this is probably the strongest one. Okay, we'll, we'll give this a blast. Then.
class. <laughs> yes. Evan, they're a dead cult band all day long, aren't they? Yeah, no, they already said no to a gig, though. <laughs> yeah, you haven't asked them. They haven't asked, no, asked enough times yet, Evan. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, once, yeah. No, I'll manage. I'll manage it sooner or later. I know I will. You have yeah. to keep. You have to keep plugging away, Evan. I got, oh, yeah, no, I, I'll get it. Look, there'll be a Christmas here all home. Mike got spiked at it there. Uh, when was it? In August, they all happened to be in Ireland at the same time and did a gig. So Whoa. look, grand never say never. Yeah. Never say yeah. never. There's there there will be some Christmas that everyone's home, and if I get fucking, <laughs> 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 but, but also to add to that, like uh, any of the upcoming Magnapina gigs in the future, we we regularly practice those four songs from uh, "Say My Name." Really? Genuinely, <laughs> oh. we we play those songs all the fucking time. Fucking we were going to cover. We we're actually going to cover one or two of them over the pandemic. But we ended up doing R and Z and something. <laughs> But yeah, if when we're playing, if any of you are in car, let us know. We'd come up and do a song, you know. If it's just one of you in the story, if you'd like to watch it, like... do a song. I'm looking at you, Vince. See the sweat forming on Kevin. Already, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a challenge, Kev. It's an invitation. <laughs> Howard, have you a story as well about some? Was it the lads were involved in a Nirvana cover or someone? Oh, so no, so Vince, Vince would probably have been at this or probably okay. would have been there. It was, uh, it was a lunchtime gig in St. Peter's in in Passage. No, I was gone. Yeah. I was gone. You know, yeah, what I'm yeah, I, I was, yeah, Francis and Paul. Yeah, yeah, I heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there was a Frank, Frank, the old drummer in um in Tempo Rule. Uh, he had a three piece. He used to like do Nirvana covers and things like that. And um, they were playing a lunchtime show. John Perm was on bass actually, and uh, David O'Mahony on drums. And uh, they were playing "Rape Me" by Nirvana. And our principal's name was Mister Ahern. And we used to call him Ahern. And he changed words to "Rape Me Ahern." But uh, so the principal saw this and started freaking out and started running through the crowd trying to get them. But there was a mosh pit happening, so like things like a foot out of nowhere, and the meter oh. has run out in passage. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> yeah, foot, foot came out and videoed the whole thing and and has it on camera. It's just fucking. What the? F- I I was hoping you'd know who'd have that footage. Nah, nah, gone. Gone. Passage interview. Dave, did you compile the inner notes for the EP or who did? The what the thing on Bandcamp, is it? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's an um, inner sleeve and all that. Like so I presume obviously oh, it was on a CD and that, I'd say that was all Vince, that the original one back in eighty nine. I'd say that was They're all I'd your say, notes, Vince, then. So um, all that say, yeah. I, I honestly I, I can't remember. Um probably I remember, I remember Sean did the CDs because I remember when we did it, Sean had to go, you went down to a shop in Douglas, didn't you? And he was sat there way. burning the CDs for two days. But my dad knew had like a computer repair shop. It was the other one that had like a, a CD burner. And I just went there and just sat there yeah, and did them like one at a time in this thing, just copying them. And a load of them didn't work and stuff then. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, at the CD launch, we sold, we sold 10 blank CDs by accident. <laughs> and and I, I, I'm at the best of times. I'm a little bit uh, compulsive. Uh, you know, and, uh, I, I really freaked me out to 10 people with blank CDs. I tracked down eight of them. 
So there's two people out there who have blank CDs. So if if anyone listening, we've had a blank CD twenty-five years ago. That same thing with old bands when I was younger, because you'd you'd have like the a stack on the right of just the blank CDs, and you'd bring them over until you have a stack in your left of <laughs> yeah, done yeah, yeah. CDs. But the amount I I can guarantee it because it did happen to me was uh like it'll it look like it's after ripping or doing whatever. But nah, it did fuck off. <laughs> yeah. I definitely had people in my school at the time that came up and started snapping at me for just giving them a blank CD. <laughs> what I want to do oh, here is just um, trigger some memories. Is Vince compiled the thanks list, and there's bands here which are fucking hilarious, man. Oh, okay, so I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna try and attempt to pronounce some of them, right? So. <laughs> The EP was recorded in BPM Studios in Douglas on the 20th and 21st of April, 1999. And the tanks go to Abinanada, right? Whoever the fuck. Abinanda. Okay, right. Unreal, fantastic band from Sweden. Uh, Sweden, okay. We we, we supported them and it was a big, big deal for us because... There's an interesting story about the Phoenix, actually. Very, very quickly digress. Refused... Just after they recorded The Shape of Punk to Come, uh, there was a, a, a lad from Carrigaline called Joe Collar and he used to put on shows and he really drove a lot. The, I kind of took care of the local bands trying to get the local stuff going. Joe took the touring bands because um, he knew what he was doing, whereas I was just more, I don't know, just winging it. Um, but uh, refused, just after recording The Shape of Punk to Come, wanted to book a gig in Cork. Joe tried to get them into the Phoenix there was a DJ playing that night. We couldn't get it. There was no other venue would touch young fellas putting on gigs. Was that so the night the students were meant to be playing after releasing the most important Holy shit. of 15, 20 years. There was a guy upstairs playing uh, Around the World every fourth song to about 10 people. <laughs> you know? Fucking um, so that was, that was a near miss. So then Abananda came. They're, they're also from Umea. Um, like refused there. They came a couple of months later, and they released. Uh, they were just releasing their second album, which is again not typical hardcore. It was very dynamic and funky and whatever. And yeah, that was a big, big deal for me. Anyway, I was just like, oh, fucking hell. Sorry. So excuse me. Sorry. Know. But, so there's going to there's going to be that <laughs> level of story about every band you begin to mention. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So assault and battery. That's yeah. the three lads, yeah. Yeah. Bloody mutants. Bloody mutants. Oh, I, <laughs> I can't, can't remember. Can't remember okay. them. This is brilliant. The next band are brilliant. Blue Rinse Grannies. Oh, Rinse Grannies. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they were fantastic. They yeah. were they were they were a band of three lads. They um they first they were called Hardcore Muscle and Fitness. Yeah. And they were three the three the skinniest, three the skinniest lads you ever, ever meet, you know. And then a song to remember Macaulay Culkin and the Killer Bees. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but they, they were gassed because literally they were I I'll say it now to this stage, I'd say, you know, I'm in my mid-40s now. Without exaggeration, I've been to well over a thousand shows, you know. And they're the most punk band that I've ever seen. Because they hated everybody. They hated punks. They hated metalers. Anything that came with a notion of a group, they were like, nah, fuck, destroy it, you know? And they were brilliant. They were just they had these funny songs and they were really good players. Uh, one day I was in Thailand, in Bangkok, 
And um, I ran into the drummer, Mick, on the street. And it was just the most random thing ever. Like, you know? <laughs> so, uh, okay, the next band we've all heard of, Brawl. Yeah, brilliant. We supported uh, them on a, on a uh, F the Jazz weekend, and we they were you know proper a proper yeah, band, and yeah. we were only young fellas, and they didn't really talk to us, but you know didn't matter. <laughs> Brinskill Bombeat. Oh man, remember them? Yeah. Was that the guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. They were on live at three once. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it Eurostar they went for? They went for the Eurovision. And, I think uh, they did, yeah. They got, oh, really? They, did. they got they got through the first round or something, but uh, your man had a had a wild look at the time. It was kind of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember seeing them upstairs in Fred's. Like yeah, yeah, with angle grinder, just all these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all just buying these like tiny little tapes, you know, with the copy. Oh, yeah. Forgotten about yeah. the angle grinder, man. The sparks on stage, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> okay, cheapskate. Cheapskate, yeah, they, sure, yeah, they were a, a big deal. They were a, they're from they're Kilkenny or Dublin. I can't really remember. They were very, very good. Um, Day thirteen. Yeah, they'd have been real after real finished. Okay. Um, yeah. Defect. Defect were a bunch of lads from Ahabula, um, that played kind of new metal before new metal was really a thing. They were, I thought, they were brilliant. I really, yeah, really liked them. Yeah, not to be confused with the defect that came after, which were a trash band. Okay. Um, yeah. defect, and I, I think there's yeah. about 500 bands called Defect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, was, there was a connection there to Dave actually because. Uh, the lads in Defects formed a band then called Black Orange, which was Mick Flannery's first ever band. And then you played drums for Mick Flannery then for a while, didn't you, Dave? Yeah, I played guitar for him, yeah, for a while. That was it, uh, when he was starting out. So, yeah, so sorry. Okay. But, yeah. De uh, Descent? D-E-S-C-E-N-T, Descent? They were from, from Northern Ireland, Northern they? Ireland, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ireland, yeah, yeah. And D-O-W-R. Yeah, that was um. There were two lads from Cork doing um industrial metal. It was yeah. the, the Dave from Room One Hundred One and Ronan yeah, Room One Hundred One. Yeah, I can't remember Ronan second. Uh, two two lovely fellas. Ronan was in Bellinus. Ronan from Bellinus, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Remember the gig that uh, Room One Hundred One did in the Phoenix? He was probably the first <laughs> player I saw with a drum machine. Which one? With <laughs> <laughs> a drum machine and the and the guitar. So that was kind of like for nineteen ninety nine. That was kind of new, you yeah. know, and um. He was wearing, I remember he wore a, a jumpsuit and a gas mask. Yeah. And then, like, towards the end of the show, he took out a load of Denny sausages and started. Denny <laughs> <laughs> wanted sausage. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was <laughs> I, on his guitar strap, he had, uh, he was on Blackboard Jungle a couple of weeks beforehand <laughs> to the quiz show yeah. for school kids. And he had his Blackboard Jungle thing. In. And I remember somebody at the show recognized me, like, you were on Blackboard Jungle a few weeks ago, you know? <laughs> He had a great answer on Blackbird Jungle. They asked him um, what was the closest celestial body to the earth. And uh, Dave Murphy from Runa One said, uh, well, my favorite celestial body is Pamela Anderson, but I'll go with the moon. <laughs> <laughs> he was a legend. Like the show is like, you could do a whole podcast on Dave Murphy's yeah, Room 101, Queen Kong stuff. Oh, he, he's, he, he's over in Berlin. Um, That's right, yeah. And he, I think he was playing with the girl from Your Only Massive the last time I, I, I heard about him. Pretty good. Um, yeah. Um, front side, lads. Uh, they were an English um, 
kind of rap metally kind of band. They were, okay. they were, they were very good. They were very good. Headboard. Yeah. Legends, hardcore okay. legends. They don't know from every single hardcore band in Cork ever. Would have been their founding bass player, I think. Mm. And then, yeah, I'm sorry. I've heard of the next band, Honey Badger. I've heard of them. Yeah, mm. they were lads from Kinsale. They were playing kind of um, Turbo AC's Bogo, new Jackaway Punk. Really cool, really cool. Yeah, Carly's Fridge. <laughs> they they were a band they used to do as kind of it was like furry pop kind of grunge but really da- like dark lyrics um about serial killers and things and uh but they were I've done brilliant I I think I saw at one stage I saw every one of their gigs until I don't know university started. Another and class then, name here is P- Pedestrial, but I thought it was Pedestrial Piddle. Is Piddle a different band? Piddle, Piddle's a different band. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was uh, that was Ty, Ty, Ty's band actually. You see it in the, in the video. That, if you should put a link up to the video that uh, Dave made, yeah, the footage will, yeah. from the Phoenix, because you'll see some of these heads and uh, yeah, people will see themselves in it. Yeah. Like you know, yeah, picking up guys who are still playing. Yeah, you know? was in that as well. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. I think they, these lads they just decided yeah, there was a scene going, and we'll get involved in getting the whole lot, and they they just started a band. And, I think, yeah, it is the name. <laughs> Plagiarism. No. That was Dennis Coveney from Flatline. Do some memory, Vince. Uh, I was going to say. <laughs> no, I just... Look. I, uh, That's great. That Give a shout-out to from, these. No, that was Dennis Coveney from Flatline and somebody... No, Don from Flatline as well. And they just did uh, metal covers. Okay. Uh, they didn't very well. Like they were proper musicians. Like it's a bit like Hangar. Yeah. What Hangar Eighteen became afterwards. It's, yes, it's the yeah, same guy. Similar, similar members, actually. I say yeah. half half the band would be the same. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's uh three or four left. Section eight. Ah oh, yeah. Punk lads from Ballymorney. Uh, I remember Section Morley. Eight really well. Saw them yeah. play quite a, quite quite a bit in the Phoenix back then. They were on pretty much every other weekend. Okay. So S F E. That was one of Francis's bands then. I think. Oh, one of his three months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> change the name again three months later. <laughs> Obviously, we talked about Sludge Hook. Uh, the Steam Pig. They were a punk band from Dublin. They would have been a good, good older than us. They were like the real deal. They've been playing for ages and ages. So we supported them once in the in the Spalpeen. You're um, probably just trying to get. I think when you're putting all these bands on, the older bands, you know that. You kind of like it, hoping that you might read it and invite you up to Dublin for a gig. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it never yeah, happened. That was the fucking like... plan, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and and the last happened. one there, Vince, is two thousand strong. Ah, brilliant, fantastic. If if anyone is listening to this still after whatever forty minutes, um, <laughs> and wants to check out like uh, uh, hardcore from Ireland from the, the early two thousands, they were they were brilliant. They they live they live they they, they they I remember I can't remember the Eros. Once Anto and I can't remember the other singer, but two two gentlemen again a bit older than us, really, you know, enthusiastic that there was something happening in Cork as well. You know, they come down and it was you know just so into it. And, and I think uh, I think a lot of the bands that came to Cork as well, like Joe, they were really up for um, it being not this kind of divided scene. You know, it wasn't like the hardcore kids here and the punk kids here. Yeah. It was just like. Joe got kids and everybody yeah, kind of everyone, all in yeah. together and there was no politics and you know they were all like oh wow, that's that's great like you know yeah 
It was something actually that was weird, but when I went to the States first uh, in 2000, um, I couldn't quite grasp that it was so clannish, you know, that okay. you had to dress this way, you had to look this way. Because obviously in Cork, in a self ruined thing, it was yes, come as you yeah. are, you know. Yeah. It's very much that way now still, isn't it, Evan? Thank yeah, I think, I think, Kev, what you're saying especially is like, I think what I love about Cork um, the most is with, with a scene, it's not, you have the Cork hardcore scene here, you have, you know, a, whatever else here. It's just, it's just all one, you know, like I don't think there's any divide in genres specifically, like um, which in a lot of places you will get, like there's, yeah. you know, like in Dublin have a very specific Dublin hardcore thing and, um, you know, you know, a lot of things won't mix. Whereas in Cork, I don't really think people give a fuck. And I love that. It's yeah. it's just, there's a good gig on. There's, I think, you know, it's playing into the fact that people don't actually just listen to one type of music. Um, and I think it's stupid to think that one type is for one person, another type is for another. Mm. You can have, you know, Cork has great mixed builds and they do well, you know. Um, there's, there's always an eclectic side of music to Cork more so yeah. than any other fucking city I think I think you know? it comes as well to like even now because there's a lack of venues it's like we, it's either you know band together and make something work or just don't be involved at all do you know what I mean it's like if we had loads of venues to choose from you probably could venture off and you know one style will start growing in one venue and you know another in another but because we're kind of limited it's like people just want to go to the gigs wherever they can get their hands on gigs they'll go you know which is i guess a double-edged sword sometimes yeah because we I'm need gonna, more money yeah i'm gonna play one more song lads you can request it i was going to play what you know can we, can we get a get a bit of love denial Love denial. Yeah, again. love denial. <laughs> okay. All right. Excellent stuff. This is it. Finish up after that. <laughs> Yeah. 
Wonder Boys. I remember there was a guy. I remember there was a guy in school, and he uh, he, he heard that he I gave him the CD, and he was like, "That's fucking awful shit, man!" But the middle part of that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, lads, that's it. Listen, thanks for coming on the show and being an important cog in the Irish metal hardcore scene, and it's. Very important to acknowledge these uh, bands, and, and and you're the most laid back lads, and totally weren't even aware of this. But I mean, as Howard will attest, and Evan as well, that like your name is out there, man, and it's great to have you to come on the show and talk about this. You know, really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Cheers. And come here, Dave. Yeah, thanks, I, I say to Dave, thanks for putting all the work in the last couple of yes, weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not self evident that people do it, and you know, obviously. We've been distant from it for a long time. And uh, it just just cheers, man. Cheers for doing all the work. All right. We appreciate well, it. Otherwise, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, it was all done. Like I said, we kind of didn't realize that I suppose it would have been dismiss- dismissive of it for years. And um just when you found those two tracks, and it's like I I was like, Oh fucking hell, I wish the the first five songs we recorded sounded like or we got the sound that we got in the last two two songs, you know what I mean? Mm. But, um, yeah, it was all there. And, and honestly, like I we I don't think any of us had any idea that the name Tempo Roo would, would have kind of resonated with some bands afterwards, but no nah. idea. Oh, yeah. I, think I was Dan, going to say that. Yeah, but yeah, Dan, yeah. I think Dan had an interview in the Examiner, he kind of mentioned it, that was a real eye-opener for I was like, fucking hell, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was only talking to, I was only talking to Richie before the, the podcast of how nervous I was coming on to talk to you guys because <laughs> it, genuinely, genuinely, like, I mean, I can't, I can't emphasize enough how much of an influence you've been, particularly yourself. In so I've I've nothing but gratitude and thanks for uh, laying some sort of foundation for for someone like myself to actually have something to to look towards to to enjoy and see music as just this fucking visceral force that just carry you through hard times. Yeah. So from the bottom of my heart, lads, thank you for what you've done. I'm so fucking happy to see a new release from Ten Point Rule in 2023, <laughs> fucking 20 odd years later. So thank you. Uh, Sean. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, thank, I, I had to second what Dave said, no idea that we would have had that sort of influence. And it was just great to catch up like this and hear hear about some of that, you know. So thanks. Thanks for organizing this. 
Yeah, yeah, we next time you home from us, we'll have to catch up the four of us for a take it slow. We'll have a yeah. point then. Have a few beamish first. first. Wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait till the bullshit starts. You know? <laughs> we do agree we'll make sure you get a flag in each. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, you know, I just want to say as well, like like we didn't do this. It was just for posterity to have it on a streaming service so it'd be handy to go up and play it if you wanted to play it. But it, I suppose that grew into an Instagram page and a Bandcamp page. But look, Penny Dinners is an amazing. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Good man. Any money that we make from the remastered demo will go to Penny Dinners. So, you know, um, it's getting a, a bit of a response, but it would be great if it translated into a few bob for them, you know? So, yeah. It's a good cause. You know? Absolutely. I'll have the link to the yeah. EP on the show anyway, on the show notes, on the podcast yeah. and uh, on YouTube as well. So we'll make sure that's, that's included. Absolutely. Okay, so that's it, lads. Thanks to Vince, Dave, Sean, and Kev of Ten Point Rule coming on the show and talking about the myths and dispelling some of the myths and some great stories as well along the way, lads. Much appreciated for that. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. Thanks a million, cheers. Cheers. And thanks to my co-hosts, Evan and Howard, as usual. Thank you, Richie, for having these lads on. Made an old man's dream. Okay, that's good to hear, Howard. That's good to hear. Just make sure you keep putting that money into the internet box behind you there. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, as I always end the show and I'm sure everybody will agree no matter fucking what age you are the local scene is the most important scene so please support it okay